¿Ya? Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the November 20th general purpose meeting of the Castro Valley Municipal Advisory Council. Glad to see everybody here and our folks online. And we will start. Uh, Council Member Moore, would you lead us in the pledge, please? We do the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God. Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Chuck. Madam Clerk, can we have the roll call, please? Council Member Mulgrew? Present. Council Member Padro, excused. Council Member Carboni? Here. Council Member Killebrew? Council Member Moore? Here. Council Member Thomas? Here. Council Member Prokopov, excused. We have a quorum. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, this is the time on the agenda where we open up for public comments um, and announcements. Uh, you'll have three minutes to speak on any item that is not on tonight's agenda. Uh, if you wish to do so, please fill out a speaker card if it's over there. If not, um, just raise your hand as we get into the meeting. Madam Clerk, do we have anybody online that wishes to speak? Okay. Do we have anyone in the room that wishes to speak? Please. Sure. You're welcome. Glad you're here. Please. Hello, good evening. I'm Officer Pops with CHP Hayward, and I just came to present some statistics and a couple of upcoming events that we have going on in our area. Uh, through the month of October, within the Castro Valley area, we had 14 DUI arrests. We issued 215, excuse me, 379 traffic citations, four parking tickets after a parking complaint. And we had 15 injury crashes, 32 non-injury crashes. We issued 62 verbal warnings and we recovered two stolen vehicles. Uh, at the last meeting, I had some traffic complaints within the school areas. And I apologize, I did not get those statistics for the school enforcement that we did, but we focused on Creekside Middle School. I personally went out there and contacted the reporting party we focused at Banoy Elementary and Palomares. Uh, the issue on Palomares is the vehicles through the area speeding. We had an officer go out there for a couple hours and unfortunate, well, fortunately, unfortunately, I'm not sure how, which way you look at it. He did not stop anybody for speeding violations, but we are aware of the speeding violations in the area. So we're keeping our eyes out. Uh, Castro Valley High School, we got a couple of traffic complaints during the lunch hour and I wanted to go out there this week. However, they're on uh, school break, so I don't think that will be efficient. So once they're back in session, we'll go back out and patrol in the area. Uh, I, recently, we had a freeway shooting on eastbound 580. I'm not sure if that was brought to anyone's attention. We 
don't have any suspect information, but our Golden Gate ISU is handling that investigation. The victim drove himself to the hospital. So there's really not much to release on that incident. We don't even know what happened leading up to those events, whether it was road rage, gang related or whatnot. Um, in our area office, we have nine new officers who reported on Monday, November 13th. So you'll see them out on the road and we're excited just to boost our staffing. We are all back from APEC, which was the Asia Pacific Economic Conference in San Francisco. So about half of our staff in our office was deployed for the entire week over in San Francisco, but we're all back. So uh, routine patrol until the MEP weekend, which starts on Wednesday, which will be at, what time does MEP start? Wednesday, November 22nd at noon till, Sunday, November 26th at midnight. So we'll have extra patrol in the area for the holiday weekend. I'm out of time. Our upcoming event is our Chips for Kids. We will be at the Castro Valley tree lighting ceremony collecting toys. I have a flyer here. And then we'll also be at the Union City Walmart on uh, December 9th in touch. So I can leave it here. we have any other speakers in the room tonight that would like to speak on anything that's not on the agenda? No one online? All right, then we'll close public comment and go to approval of the minutes for the October 16th, 2023 meeting. Has everybody had a chance to look at them? Any edits or changes or corrections? I would accept the motion to approve. I'll move approval of the minutes for October 16, 2023. Thank you, Ken. I'll second that motion. Thank you, Tojo. Okay, um, may we have a roll call vote, please? For approval of October 16th minutes. Council Member Mulgrew? Aye. Council Member Carboni? Yes. Council Member Thomas? Yes. Council Member Killebrew? Yes. Council Member Moore? <clears throat> I wasn't here upstairs. Minutes approved. Thank you, Madam Clerk. All right, we are into the regular meeting, item number six on the agenda, approval of art designs for the utility box art program and the art manners. This is an action item. Good evening. Rachel. Is the mic on? Yeah. Hello, thank you all for this opportunity to give you an update on this voting item. My name is Rachel Osajima. I'm the director of the Alameda County Arts Commission. Um, I'll just review briefly the, the summary on the report um, that you will be receiving a presentation of the art designs for the utility box art program and streetlight pole banner program for Castro Valley. The presentation includes digital mock-ups of each box and banner that represent the overall design plan. The utility box mock-ups show one side of each box. Of course, the finished designs of the boxes will include imagery for all four sides and the top. Um, other adjustments to the imagery may be made based on the size and shape of the actual boxes and other minor improvements. And then also the finished designs for each art banner may include minor adjustments and improvements. Um, so with that, I will start my PowerPoint. Thanks, Tisa. So as I always like to start um, with some information about the Alameda County Arts Commission, just briefly. Uh, the Arts Commission is a division of the County of Alameda, um, and the activities of the Arts Commission are based on the belief that arts and creativity are essential to our thriving community. 
and we're dedicated to improving the quality of life in Alameda County by a number of different ways, advocating and building public will for arts and creativity and serving as a link between individuals, organizations, businesses, and government, nurturing a thriving and diverse artistic and cultural environment throughout the county region, promoting economic opportunities for the county's artists and arts organizations, and encouraging equitable and inclusive public art access and participation in the arts. And we have four program areas, arts advocacy, arts funding, arts education, and public art. I'll just mention, because I'm here, that we have an annual program where we give grants to nonprofit arts organizations. And the new application opened today. The deadline for applicants will be on February 15th. So if you know any nonprofit arts or cultural organizations, we encourage them to apply. And there's information on our website. So about the, um, the program today, um, the Arts Commission manages the county's utility box art program in an incorporated Alameda County. And this program is funded by the Alameda County Public Works Agency. So I wanna thank them for their ongoing support. And the Arts Commission coordinates the art designs for the Streetlight Pole Banner Program, which is managed by and paid for by the Economic and Civic Development Department. So they're great partners with us. Um, a reminder that the county's utility box program was developed through community interest and support, and the program um, goal is to help support a positive and welcoming environment. The program was first launched in 2017, um, and it was related uh, to other projects that we have conducted here. And then um, we installed the first set of boxes in mid 2019 and early 2020. Next slide. So um, as you know, I've been working on the new phase of art designs. So the proposed new phase of art designs will be installed on all county controlled boxes in Castro Valley and um, banners along Castro Valley Boulevard. And the banner plan is that they will be installed in 2024 after the holiday banners are removed. And then as mentioned, uh, that the new uh, utility box wraps um, will um, replace the current boxes and they'll start to be installed um, sort of uh, later in 2024. It will take essentially the whole year to sort of run through and install all of the new ones. So uh, mentioned here is that you supported the, the new phase of the designs, the plan when I was here on March 13th. And then you voted to support the 11 recommended artists on July 17th. So thank you for your support. So there's also a timeline here. Um, it has a few more details, but I think the main um, the main points are that after your approvals, the um, Alameda County Public Art Advisory Committee approved the recommended artists. And as you know, there's appointed members to the Alameda County Arts Commission and they approved the recommendations and appreciate your support. And then all of the contracts went to the Alameda County Board of Supervisors and they were approved on October 24th. So now we're in the, the detailed phase of the fabrication. When I was here before, um, you just saw a few images from each artist. So between the time I was here and the point in which, um, the earlier time I was here and now, we collected uh, more images from all of the artists based on the selection committee's request and so what you see in your presentation is actually the artworks that we will be using. Um, uh, I also mentioned that um, we're running a concurrent program along Llewellyn Boulevard. Um, so I've been, I've been going to both communities 
yours and the Eden Area um, Air, and the Eden Area Municipal Advisory Council. Okay, next slide. So we have a wonderful group of um, community members that served on the Artist Selection Committee, and you can see all of their names here. Um, some people that this was the first time they've worked with us, um, so we're happy to have sort of people who just want to get involved in the arts, the arts um, activities here. And then also some longtime community members like Terry Leibowitz, who have been involved in the public art program along the way. And I'm sure you know her from the Center for the Arts. Next slide. So this is the list of the artists that you have seen already their names and um, made a recommendation to support their contracts. And then we'll see images by each artist in the PowerPoint here. So the first artist is Karen Berry. She's located in Fremont. And so these are the images of the five artworks um, representing digital mockups of five boxes that they will be on. The uh, similar to today. Rachel, can I just yeah. ask real quickly, yeah. are, are these designs the actual that will be used? These are the actual artworks that will Thank be you. used. Yes. And um, you may recall um, currently on the boxes you see today, the imagery is wrapped around the corners or we um, use the same imagery on like the fronts, the, what we call like the primary side and then the secondary side. And so um, you might be driving your car and see this side, but then when you're walking, you'll be on the other side, you'll see the same image, but we always change it a little bit so that scale is a little bit different or a different part of the imagery is seen so that it does create a sense that it's new, even though new imagery on the sides, even though it's essentially the imagery being reused on all four sides. And if you I guess if you're driving in a truck, you'll see the or some tall car, you'll see the top also. Okay, the next artist is E. Katerina Bazlakova, and she's in Castor Valley. Um, these are the four images that will be on boxes here in Castro Valley. The next artist is Alice Beasley of Oakland. These are actually all original um, quilt textile pieces. And the next artist is Rhonda Chase of Pleasanton. Um, these are pen, ink, and digital illustrations. And then the next artist is Yan Inlow of Alameda. And um, as I may have mentioned to you before, these are all, the original pieces are all hand embroidery, little stitches that make this these artworks, the complete imagery only little stitches of embroidery. So they're gonna be really beautiful when the image is enlarged on these boxes. I think you're really going to enjoy them. The next artist is Reka Josie, Joshi of Pleasanton. Um, and those are the five images. Next artist, Moonji Pickering of Alameda. I think the selection committee really wanted to have a, like a, a variety of imagery and some that they really wanted. They wanted some fun, sort of youthful images. Uh, next artist is Hilda Robinson of Oakland. And the next artist is Sarah Samus of Hayward. I think this is, some people definitely wanted to connect to the history of chickens and community or other people just liked the Selection committee members liked chickens in general. Next artist is Azar Vag P.B. of Castro Valley. Um, she actually made all of these pieces just for this program, hoping to be selected. So she was inspired directly by Castro Valley environment. And I think you can really get a sense of that. 
And the last artist is Kim Vander Hyden of Castro Valley. Um, so when you turn the page, um, now we will see the images for the banners. So three of, based on the selection committee's interest and what seemed like a good fit for the, the banner, um, the sort of the banner environment, which is of course a tall skinny image way up high on the light pole. Um, these three artists have been um, selected for the banners and this was presented to the selection committee members to get their feedback about um, all of the images for the boxes and these banners and they all supported it. So the first artist that will be featured on the banners is Yan Inlow. And the plan is that her, these three ba banner designs will be repeated. There'll be a set of three repeated, which is what you see in your current art banners. Did your holiday banners get installed yet? I'm not sure I didn't drive through. They were, yeah. They've been installing them. Okay. <laughs> so th this is the same, I uh, exactly the same idea. Each artist has three designs and then they get, the sets get repeated. So the downtown area has light poles that are um, shorter um, and the area is between San Miguel Avenue and Redwood Road when there'll be 38 banners. And it will, um, We'll have to uh, continue to use the same Castor Valley text banners along the way. I think we'll put them in the same locations, probably. And they're placed in sort of um, the entry points and um, transitional points or um, where there seemed like it would be useful to have an identifier at some intersections. So you will again see those Castor Valley banners placed throughout. And then the two other artists who are going to be featured on the banners are um, Azar and Reka. And um, they will mimic the current plan for the installation. So um, the first section is Strobridge Avenue to Nunes Avenue near San Miguel Avenue. Um, there'll be uh, 34 banners and then of Azars. And then Reka's will be at the next section, you know, as if you're driving, I think it would be considered south. So. You would start sort of at um, mm. Strawbridge, then you go through the town area. You'll see the embroidery pieces. Then um, we're at Red Redwood Road um, to Groveway and Crow Canyon. The plan will be it'll be Reka's images. And then um, to have the quantities match for all of the artists, we will switch back to Azar's banners from Groveway, Crow Canyon Road to the Baby Marketplace with 12 banners. So it helps with um, transition and the quantities will match for each artist. So that is the plan. Hope you like it. And I would love to answer any questions. Thank you, Rachel. Um, we'll start with public comment. Does anyone in the room wish to comment on these beautiful designs and, and the beautiful plan? I'll just say Vilip is here. He was one of the selection committee members. So we appreciate his work. Madam Clerk, do we have anyone online that wishes to speak? I don't see any hands. Raised. We have no speakers online. All right. We'll close uh, close public comment on this issue and ask the council for any thoughts and comments. There we go. Thank you, Chair. Um, quick question. Um, so if I'm driving by, these are beautiful. And thank you for your presentation. Every time you come in, great job. This is good stuff so i'm walking i'm driving by okay and uh, i see one of them is graffiti okay so who do i call what number do i call and uh, 
you know, how long does it take to fix it and correct it? And that's my question. Thank you for asking because I do want to always answer that question every time I'm here. Right. So thank you. So um, the, the best way to report graffiti or some other thing that you see in your community is to put on your phone the mobile citizen app and i use it all the time so everybody who wants to to do this i just i strongly recommend go to your phone and you go to your play store on it and you you type in mobile citizen you have the app on your phone it works really great so you can report like anything graffiti tagging trash uh, you know um, like a vegetation problem or something else and when you turn it on, um, it has a GPS um, that you can select and it, then it will mark where you are. And then it asks if you wanna take a picture of the item that you're reporting. So you can just open your camera, take a picture, you submit it. And then you only need to just mark a box that says what it is. And I'm pretty sure the way it works is that it doesn't require me as the user to put my personal information in, I can just report it. And then later when I open my app again, um, I can see the status. And so that, that message goes to Alameda County Public Works Agency. And then for, um, I think for for the for the things I guess that their internal maintenance and operations will fix, they send it to their own internal staff, or they or something that they have a contractor for, they'll send it to them. So Alameda County Public Works Agency has um, a vendor that specializes in graffiti abatement, so they send them a report, and the person goes to to fix and improve things. It's my understanding for Public Works Agency that they will maintain just about anything that's kind of in the public purview. So. If somebody reports on um, some graffiti and it's kind of technically on like, for example, the, the bark, bark parking lot, I think they will still go out and um, try to improve it as much as they can. Or in some areas that are, are sort of like quasi public works agency space. And so that's built into their budget. It's not an influence on arts commission budgets, just that the way they operate. And um, for those of you who maybe you live um, or are visiting outside of the unincorporated area, you can still use that app and then the report goes to Alameda County Public Works Agency. And if they recognize that it's not in their purview, then they send it to the correct agency. Thank you. Mm -hmm. No, I'm only good things to say about the art commission and all of the, um, the artwork and everything is pretty much followed through from our previous presentation. So you've just pretty much completed it. And um, so look forward to seeing it out on the streets. So, yeah. Thank you. Shannon. I just have a quick question. Um, well, the designs are beautiful and this project makes me really happy. You mentioned you're doing a parallel project on Llewellyn. Um, is it a unique set of artists <clears throat> and designs or are these same artists going asking. to be? represented as well on um, I'm gonna see if, if it's noted but I I'm sure it, I reported to you and it was in my other information that we had a unique selection committee for the Llewellyn Boulevard and they did review the same artists and um, four of the artists that are selected for Castro Valley are also selected for Llewellyn Boulevard mm -hmm. and um, as promised and described by the that we described to everybody. Um, if there's an artist that was selected for Castro Valley and Llewellyn Boulevard, they have different artwork at each location. So there's no duplicate imagery. Um, so um, it's Karen Berry, who you saw here has um, kind of like the um, 
Sparks Barn and um, the cyclist and the windmill. She was also selected for that for Llewellyn Boulevard, but actually they're going to feature images of these linoleum cuts uh, cuts that feature um, birds, like ducks and other water related birds. And then um, Ekaterina, her work was selected. It's a, it's a similar image, but different than the ones that you have here. And um, Hilda Robinson um, with the, the people in a neighborhood scene, she was also selected. And similarly, they're similar, but different. And then um, I am forgetting who the other, I think maybe it's, it is, um, I have to look at the name of the person I'm remembering now. Uh, Rhonda Chase has one, one artwork over there on a box. So that'll be great. You might, when you're driving through, you may or may not recognize that it's a similar artist, but it'll be a different artwork. Councilmember Moore. Yes. Rachel, thank you. Very well done. I know you put a lot of heart and soul into this, but um, I want to advocate a little bit for the agricultural community. I look at all of these signs. They're really reflective of what's in our ag area. And get you get people to slow down and look at them, and you know, it gives you a good feeling. Um, I was wondering, is there any way we could get you to work with um, economic and Folks, development yeah, redevelopment and get some agricultural signs that says you're entering an ag zone. Maybe we could get people on Crow Canyon Road with 18,000 cars a day to slow down a little bit and enjoy real life, you know, some of this um, wildlife instead of running them over. Um, so um, I don't know what it would take to get you two together, but, you know, if we could get some signage in the ag area, I think would be wonderful because this is really nice stuff thank you i would love to be in communication with them so i am in communication with them about the art banners and i will i promise that i will try to help promote that thank you thanks chuck um just a curious question from me rachel how once the designs are approved how do we decide how is it decided where they go meaning do we Put all of Karen Berry's in one geographic location. I mean, do we try to group the artists? Do we try to consciously separate them and mix the utility boxes? Thanks for asking. So we will keep, similarly to what you see today, we will keep, we, our goal is to keep the artists um, four or five utility boxes in a similar area. So if you're driving along, you'll see them. It builds on your ex overall experience as a viewer. Um, we asked the selection committee members to give us feedback about which areas they thought would be a good fit. And so we have some information from them. But additionally, if you would like to provide some information to me about which um, artists' artworks you think would be in good areas, we would love to know about your feedback. And so you could give me some information right now, or you could send me an email. I, um, I have the brochure of the current boxes, and there's a map in the brochure which will help you remember where all the boxes are. So you can, I can give that to you right now and you can tell me if you have any ideas or send me an email. That would be wonderful, thank you. Thank you.
Excellent. Thank you. Do you have any feedback? I'd prefer to email rather than take time in the meeting. But thank you. Any last questions or thoughts? If not, I would accept a motion to approve the designs as submitted. I'll make the motion to approve art designs for the utility box art program and the art banners for Castro Valley. Second. Thank you. We have to have a roll call vote. For approval of utility box art program and art banners, Council Member Mulgrew? Aye. Council Member Garboni? Yes. Council Member Killebrew? Aye. Council Member Moore? Yes. Council Member Thomas? Yes. Approved. Seems like it's been a long road. Congratulations. It's great. I'd like to come and give you updates along the way. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. By the way, and I hope I will see you um, when we start working on public art for the new fire stations, Alameda County. Uh -huh. Fire sure, department, sure. fire station. So that will through. I think that's the next thing on the horizon. One more. But it'll take a little while for to develop. Mid year next year. I don't have. I don't have a schedule. Okay. That's that's on the to do list. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. We are on to item seven. Uh, the realignment. Uh, the update on realigning AC Transit's post pandemic bus network. <laughs> this is an informational item. Uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Stephen Jones, I'm external affairs representative for AC Transit. Tonight, uh, I appreciate this opportunity to update you on Realign, which is AC Transit's update to its transit service network in the wake of the pandemic. Um, I'll be sharing a brief update on that effort tonight and how the community can provide feedback on those proposals. Um, I just want to stress that gathering community uh, input is essential, making sure that we create a system that's both equitable and actually meets the different riders. So um, I encourage you to share the information uh, before you uh, with your networks far and wide so that the Eden area residents can get the transit service that, that they need. Also, I'm typically joined by a planner who can help me answer some detailed technical questions, but due to the scheduling complex tonight, uh, you have just me. So I'll do my best to answer uh, questions and anything we can't get into, I'll take those back to our technical staff and get you answers ASAP. So thanks for much, Uh Just briefly, thank you. Um, AC Transit, we are the Alameda Contra Costa Transit District, we're the largest bus-only public transit system in California, and we're the third largest bus-only transit agency in the United States. We serve 1.5 million uh, people across 13 uh, cities and eight unincorporated areas, Western Alameda and Contra Costa counties, stretching from El Sobrante in the north all the way down to Fremont and Santa Clara County line in the south. More than 140,000 riders per day, on average, rely on AC Transit to get them where they need to go. 65% of our riders are low income, 75% are people of color, and over 40% don't have access to a working vehicle. We're also the East uh, Bay School Bus. We uh, carry, uh, we make more than 30,000 trips from home to school and back every school day. Uh, next slide, please. <clears throat> this is just a very high level overview of the service AC Transit currently operates in Castro Valley. Lines 28, 35, and 93 connect Castro Valley to Hayward, San Leandro, and San Leandro and Cherry Lane communities. And the Realign project is proposing changes to these routes. Next slide. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I just want to give you a bit more insight into what Realign is and why we're doing it. 
again, it's our top to bottom analysis and update of our entire service network in the wake of the pandemic. We're reviewing where our routes go, how often our buses are running, and what days of the week and when in the day they're operating. Next slide. And we're doing this because the pandemic uh, really just dramatically shifted how riders take public transit. Uh, our ridership is 75% of what it was before the pandemic, and it continues to grow. But much of that ridership has happened on, and that ridership recovery has happened on major routes uh, and outside of traditional work hours. So the way our service is currently designed too often doesn't need to be, meet the needs of riders uh, and their new needs. So at the same time, we're challenged by a shortage of bus operators and the funding needed to sustain our service. So we need to take a closer look at our entire system. Uh, slide six uh, illustrates the five phases of Realign. Uh, it will culminate in the fifth phase in August of next year in a new system. Uh, so that's August 2024. But earlier in this year, uh, in phase one, we surveyed more than 15,000 people to learn how they currently use our service and what they'd like to see moving forward. In phase two, we took all that feedback and we identified three core principles to guide our work. Equity, reliability. We know how important it is to have a reliable service because that's what's going to get people back on public transit. And then frequency. So with these principles, it's our guide. And based on community feedback, we drafted uh, the new service network proposals. And now in phase three, we're asking for the public to tell us what they think of the proposals and if we're on the right track. Next slide. Okay, so the draft scenarios each aim to uh, achieve a particular goal. Two of the scenarios, the cost neutral scenarios, uh, they reallocate resources that we have today uh, with different approaches to how we do that. One of those is we either stay the course in terms of where we offer service, so think of it as a coverage scenario. And then the second is uh, we either reduce our footprint and provide um, rededicate our services to provide a more frequent service. And the third scenario is our unconstrained scenario. And this is aspirational. It's what we would do if we had all the funding and resources we truly need to be able to deliver uh, service. That includes buses, operators, funding, uh, and facilities. Next slide. We're just getting a little bit more deeper um, into each one of these uh, scenarios. Uh, the first scenario, we call this the balanced coverage scenario. It keeps coverage where it exists today, uh, although it expands it in a few places. It tweaks several routes to improve reliability uh, or access to bus layover stops and restrooms, which are critical for our bus operators. And it also increases frequency on a few lines uh, where ridership is higher. And moving to the next scenario is our frequent service scenario. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, this scenario maximizes ridership growth and focuses more on frequent service in denser areas, but at the cost of broader coverage that was called out in the previous scenario. In this scenario, in this scenario, no line would run, um, no line would run less than every thirty minutes. Um, it also includes improvements to the frequency of some major trunk lines. <clears throat> And many of the uh, routing tweaks and changes uh, that are recommended in the previous balanced coverage scenario are actually carried over uh, into this scenario. But achieving that additional frequency in this scenario means that we would have to reduce coverage in places where the fewest number of people are. That's the trade off. Next slide, please. 
the general summary of this scenario is more of everything everywhere. Uh, restores nearly all of our service that we suspended during the pandemic, makes significant increases in frequency across the board on our existing lines, and it proposes new lines and service to communities that lack the for the pandemic. And it also includes three flexible service zones where we could, in theory, deliver on-demand microtransit. Uh, but I just want to stress that we, we, this is aspirational. We don't have the resources to achieve this today, but we wanted to do this exercise because this can be used to advocate for more resources, and it represents our vision of what's possible uh, when funding for public transit priority. Uh, public transit is a priority. The next slide. Uh, so I'm just going to provide a, a broad overview of the potential changes uh, being considered in Castro Valley. Uh, but please note that there's a lot more detail on our website, AC Transit, backsacetransit.org uh, slash realign, uh, including an interactive tool uh, that allows you to make comments on specific lines. So sticking with this slide here, um, in the balanced cover, coverage scenario, lines 34 and 35, they remain largely unchanged. Uh, they they're largely as they are today. Uh, but in the scenario where we aim to provide more frequent service, we would propose to discontinue line 34. Uh, however, line 35 would then be streamlined to deliver service every 30 minutes. Currently, that line runs about once every 60 minutes, so we would double service on that. Uh, the next slide, please, looks at lines 28 uh, and 93. So in the balanced coverage scenario, where we're looking to, again, keep our coverage where basically where it is today, uh, lines 28 and 93, they would remain largely unchanged. But if we want to look at increasing the frequency, uh, line 28 will be shortened in Castro Valley, and line 93 will be shortened a little bit at the Hayward Barton Station. Still serve the Barton Station to shorten around the around it. Uh, I just want to flag, I, I'm sorry if you could just go back, thanks. Um, I just wanted to flag something here while we're while we're on the slide. Um, this change with respect to line 28 will mean that uh, line that line would no longer provide access to the schools that they currently serve. So that's primarily Creekside Middle and Castro Valley High School. In developing this plan, the consultant assumed that the service to schools would be addressed with supplementary service. Supplementary service is the service we provide those kids with school. But in Castro Valley, um, we don't really have the supplementary service. Uh, what we have, I'm sorry, you can just go back to the other slide, thank you. I'll stop looking up. <laughs> uh, but in Castro Valley, uh, there is no supplementary service for, for those two schools. Uh, line 28 currently delivers that service. So this has been flagged for us. We understand it's a significant concern. Uh, Castro Valley Unified and both uh, and the Mary Chamber let us know that they wouldn't support uh, that proposal if it meant you know, providing more frequent service on the backs of basically service to, to school. So we're aware of that. Um, we're reassessing what we can do to make sure that that um, service continues uh, priority to make sure that we continue to get to the So we're very much aware of that. We appreciate that being flagged for us. Uh, the next slide here, uh, I will just kind of blow through this. I think it's actually distracting, uh, but it just shows uh, the different scenarios and how they would change. Um, and I, so the next slide, I'll just talk a little bit about uh, the public outreach that we're doing. Uh, and just as I mentioned earlier, community feedback is really essential to getting to a system that really works for people. Uh, we encourage everybody to review these proposals. 
Statewide comment by December 13th. So we've got a couple more weeks. Uh, and again, we have more information on our website in multiple language. Uh, and I've also left behind some printed materials here um, on the back desk that has uh, more information. Next slide. Uh, again, well, this shows the many different ways in which we're re reaching out to our writers and the community and asking for feedback. And the next slide just simply shows the many ways, uh, again, in which we're reaching out to people. Uh, bottom line is we're doing a full court press to just raise awareness about this and solicit as much feedback as we can. Uh, again, just encourage folks to visit the Realign website to learn more about where we'll be in the community. Uh, I just want to flag once again that interactive map on the website. You can really get into the details and provide feedback online. Uh, and then we also have a detailed line by line. It's a very thick uh, brick of a book uh, here at the Castro Valley Library that folks can go and see. Uh, it's multilingual. Folks can go and you can see the lines that they're most interested in. And there's an opportunity to find uh, on it as well. And then the last slide, I'll just leave you with the contact information for my colleague, Diane Castleberry. She's the designated external government affairs uh, rep for uh, this area, and also our, tra our transportation planner, Crystal Wang, who if you have questions, uh, please make a note of their contact info. Feel free to call them. With that, uh, appreciate your time. Happy to try and answer your questions. Thank you very much, Steve. And we'll open up for public comment here in the room if anybody would like to speak. Just sitting, okay. I do have an online speaker. Please. Matt, you're on the line. You have three minutes for um, uh, AC Transit, item seven. Uh, hey, all. Uh, Matt Turner here. Uh, just wanted to, to reiterate uh, you know, about that line 28. You know, there's almost 7,000 kids, uh, you know, in, in the schools around that loop of the line. And, and uh, I know others have already said it, uh, you know, the chamber and so forth, but uh, just felt it needed to be said by somebody in the public who's paying attention today. Uh, you know, that would that'd be a real tough blow unless Castro Unified, you know, reversed their, their current course of not having buses. And I understand that's a, a major budget item. So, um, yeah, I'm really hoping that, you know, as a, as a parent with, with two kids, both at the junior high and the high school, uh, you know, that could be a serious blow to a lot of kids. Thanks. Thank you, Matt. We have any other public comment? No more speakers. All right. We'll close public comment on this item and uh, we'll start with Mr. Moore. Um, I know nothing about taking a bus. I live out in the canyons and the no buses come through there, so I wouldn't even know what it costs to ride a bus. But I do see a lot of the buses go around that are about half full. And I just wonder, you know, as an efficiency type person, I look at it and I'm wondering, so are any of these lines, or are they studying them to look at what a smaller bus uh, that would run on a battery and things like that, it would be more economical? and service more people if it could reach into smaller communities instead of a, uh, I guess, a 40-passenger bus or something like that. Um, and just wondered, do you look at the occupancy of the buses on these lines and would know what they are? Like, is it 50% full, 25%? Yeah, it's, it's a fair question. It's a great question. So, um, yeah, we are. We have what are called APC automated passenger counts. So we know how many people are sitting on and off the line of the bus. 
uh, at, at any given spot, right? So, so we're able to, to, to yeah, we, we do have that, that detailed information. So when you look at that line, um, like 28, what would you say the rider percentage would be on that bus? Is it, is, I never see it, <laughs> very many people on it. Yeah, um, I don't have, I, I'm not able to answer that question. Today. Okay. I just don't have that level of detail. More than happy to get you uh, an answer to that question. But with respect to your comment about, you know, looking at a bus that maybe doesn't have any passengers on it, with the size of the buses, I ask myself the same question when I went from the county to the transit. And, you know, I've really come to appreciate that, you know, you see a bus at a moment in time along this route, but we know where the demand is along that route. And so as people out in the community, um, you know, we're seeing a bus that maybe only has one or two riders on it in that moment. Uh, but we know that we've designed a route and we designed it in a way to try and maximize ridership. So while we may not have a ton of ridership in, in this particular segment of that route, uh, it's, it's designed in such a way as to capture riders in, in other areas. Uh, and so um, with respect to reducing the size of the bus and efficiencies and operating costs, uh, you know, the biggest operating cost there is the operators to drive it, right? So yep. we're still going to have to pay for the maintenance on, on the vehicle, and that's going to remain largely unchanged. Yep. Um, you said if you had the ideal budget to service everything you wanted, are you halfway there, or how much more? I mean, what are you talking about in dollars? Yeah, we don't that, even have a, a number for that uh, at this point. It's okay. Not, it's, um, it's large and, and it's aspirational. Yeah. And, you know, quite frankly, we're focused right now on making sure that we continue the upward trend of the kind of riders returning back to public transit. Like I mentioned we're at 75%. If we can increase our reliability, we know that's what's going to get riders back onto transit. And that's going to help us address some of the, handle some of the operating deficits that we're, we're looking at in the next couple of years. Yeah. And I was just wondering some of our bus stops become a, um, and a camping place for the homeless sometimes. And I'm just wondering what kind of program do you guys have to keep our bus stops clean to where people want to ride them? I know that a lot of people I hear complaints about public transportation. They don't want to get on it because it's not clean and it's not safe sometimes with some, um, especially BART right now. But um, you hear a lot of it. And I'm just wondering, and I see it in our community. You go down there, you see somebody's camped on a bus spot. Um, I mean, is there different kinds of benches? Is there something you guys are looking at that would help us with that? Yeah, it's an interesting um, situation. So technically, uh, AC Transit, you know, we, we operate on the right of way of municipalities and governments. And technically, the only thing that we're responsible for, have ownership over, is the pole and the flag that indicates the bus stop. Uh, there are bus shelters that have been installed typically uh, the municipalities are the ones that have responsibility to take care of that. So in Oakland, for example, I was dealing with this issue today. I received a phone call. There was concern about an individual who was encamped at a bus stop. How do we do this? How do we how do we respect the dignity of the individual and homelessness is not a crime? Uh, and still go through the process of engaging uh, the city's homeless encampment team which that individual, make sure their legal rights are preserved, make sure that they have wraparound supportive services, and that get that person, you know, out of the bus shelter 
and into condition that's hopefully better than that time. So they look a little bit different in, in Alameda. Um, I think that they actually they install, and I believe that they also uh, maintain their own bus shelters. And in the county, I think we have to work with the county social services when we're looking at. I mean, even in somebody's unit. You know, we, we certainly want to see the shelters for the elderly and the folks that are standing out in the weather waiting for the bus. I was just wondering, even if you had some kind of a, a pass that you put on the gate and that opened you to let you go in and, you know, something that um, would ensure that there's a, it's a safe place to be and that the people that are using those uh, bus stops or the people that are riding the buses um, would be um, something I would look at down the road. But Thank you for coming and thank you for the presentation. Councilmember Killebrew. I love public transportation. I dream of the day that I can move to a more urban environment and ride public transportation all day. I don't ride it ever living in Alameda County and in Castro Valley. How are you working to create more awareness and encourage more people to ride? public transportation in our area. Yeah. So there's a number of things we've done. I mean, in the wake of the pandemic, we know that safety from COVID was a major issue. And we had free masks and um, sanitizer uh, on board. Uh, we did a public information campaign to let people know that the way that we have the window, effectively the, the roof of the bus that opens, uh, recirculates the air most efficiently. A lot of people say, you know, just open the windows, let in the air. But actually, we did some pretty deep analysis analysis and found out that that actually creates turbulence in the air. It doesn't do a whole lot to evacuate the air. So we studied the issue, and we implemented what we thought was the most, you know, turned out to scientifically be the most efficient way to get that out. Uh, we've worked with our partners throughout the Bay Area uh, region uh, because AC Transit is not the only agency that, you know, is, suffering from ridership declines, um, to promote market uh, transit, clean air day. Uh, there's been some limited uh, free ride days. Um, we continue, of course, to, well, I would say this realign effort is a significant part of that um, because, I, you know, I think right now transit, AC transit, the way it's built, the way it's designed, it's not meeting people's needs. And so, you know, going out, talking to people, asking folks, you know, share with your community that here's an opportunity to help create something that really works for you and makes sense for you is incredibly valuable. So we're hoping that out of this process, we can actually create a product that makes more sense for people and that gets people back. Thank you. Councilmember Carboni. Yes, uh, thanks, Steve, for the presentation. All right, um, I have a um, a few things. I haven't really spent too much time on public transportation in a while, but um, so some of the questions that I have are related to the kind of your, uh, I was reading about your mobile products and things. How, um, are those kind of real-time um, updated? Is that is that how that's working? Yeah, the mobile products, so the app basically, uh... Yeah, we'll show you uh, where you are. So it's GPS enabled. Right. It'll show you the nearest bus stop. 
you click on the icon for the bus stop, it'll tell you which lines serve that bus stop. Um, you can then, you know, engage each one of those lines. It'll show you where it goes. It'll show you when the next bus is arriving. Is so that also, actually, is that real time? Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. so that's real time. So, yeah. okay, so that, that kind of leads me to my next question. Yeah. So, um, you know, as technology has improved um, a million fold on a number of things, um, has uh, AC Transit looked at that last mile? Now, I... I realize your route's got a lot to do with it. There's got to be a beginning and an end. There's a thousand things that go on. However, most of those stops and the farther up you go, they're in the hills. You get people that aren't necessarily have the ability to get from that bus stop. They're going to need a ride. Have you ever considered integrating with a third-party uh, delivery system to where you would be able to be on the bus? It's connected to that real-time drop-off, and um, you can pick up a car right there and have them take them the last mile. Has that been integrated in your system or even considered? Uh, yeah, definitely being considered and talked about. I know Uber has Uber Transit, um, and, you know, its whole mission really is, right? It's just to connect, provide that last mile service. And, so, it's, and you're looking at connect. I mean, I'm talking about connecting it right to your app, not having another app. I'm not talking about having to go and continually move from, uh, you know, otherwise I'd just jump in an Uber and go the whole way. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so I'm just curious because... It would really help, especially when it hits seven hills, someone on the top of Proctor is not taking the bus. I mean, so I'm wondering if you guys have any kind of information on um, stats on the actual location of the riders. Where do they live and how far are they actually traveling to that bus stop? Because I think that would make a lot of sense. And, and I'm sure you're doing all these things. I'm just pulling this stuff out of the air. So don't, Yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> not criticizing what's been done, but. I think that these are things that would make a bigger difference. Yeah. Um, secondly, what is the percentage of ridership that bases our decisions on public safety? And it's a lot of that dropped off based on public safety and, and, and the lunacy of our, our now um, yeah. choices that we've made for our law enforcement. So we're, force anything. I, 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 you know, I can't give you a specific answer to that question. Yeah. I can't tell you, you know, this is the number of people who do or do not right. take transit based on their own personal safety. Candidly, we know in the industry, it's an issue, right? It's an issue at BART, it's an issue at LA, right. it's in the case of transit, frankly, too. So um, we're really leaning in and doing things that we feel we need to do so that people feel safe on our system. One of the, to your question, Right now, we're undertaking this massive survey across the, all the different agencies. Right. And I, I don't know if that's one of the questions on that specific survey. Um, I do know there was a bill that was passed, was passed uh, this past legislative session, and it asks more specifically, it charges the 10 largest transit agencies, AC Transit being one among them, uh, to survey its riders about the harassment that they experience on the way to transit, on transit, and specifically targeted for women, LGBTQIA+, right. um, um, people who have been uh, historically marginalized, um, and who really kind of suffer disproportionately from harassment on, on transit. And I think something like that, which we will be doing, will really give us a better insight into kind of the people's perceptions on, on, on public transit. Okay. Well, that's... A pr that's I mean, that's taking a really broad look at it. I'm I'm thinking of the reason I kind of was heading down that road is some of the people that I've talked to in the community about this, as talking to Murphy about this 
um, a week or so ago. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, their comments were that they, whether they felt safe or not, and obviously whether they've rode public transportation or transit or not recently, who knows. However, one of the things that was kind of brought up was the fact that if there was something that was more local, and I don't think this works in every area for you, and it might just work in Castor Valley, I don't know. But I really thought that the that little bus you had, um, the Flex, yeah. was really kind of heading down the right path. And the reason I say that is it was staying within the boundaries of Castor Valley. So the thing that concerns a lot of the people that are getting on that bus is that bus is coming out of Hayward or it's coming out of San Leandro and what's already on the bus is what they're fearful of. So if it was, if it stayed within the perimeter of Castor Valley and it had a lot more, um, you know, it was more frequent and around, I think they were on the, they were on the right path to start with. Um, and it might not work. Like I said, I don't think it's going to work for other areas, but it could work with Castor Valley and that would help with um, getting people out there. But I, I still think that connection to third party, um, last mile would be, yeah. you know, as a, as a, as a single choice and having the whole thing built out would be amazing. And then yeah. AC transit should be negotiating those deals to get better rates for these, um, these bus riders. And I think you could really solve something there. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's that. Okay. So I'm not done though. Um, and then we're going to go cast rallies, you know, right now we're in the midst of writing our specific plan for downtown. And that's a 20 year plan. And I'm sure you're familiar with those. In this case though, a lot of the things that we're looking at is how to improve drop off, pickup, um, delivery, um, public transportation through down our central corridor. And um, so that's something that's happening now. And I don't, that's obviously not gonna be finished in time for you, but um, it would be interesting if uh, AC Transit was to, I mean, you guys obviously have thought through and looked at transit things all over the United States and probably the world, for all I know. And there's obviously things that you want to do or include. It would be great to have a presentation to say, this is what the future of public transportation might look like and how you may want to implement it. Because, you know, they're making us guess at what, we're, what, we, what we want. And so I'm just looking at you guys as a resource or opportunity to um, maybe bring something forward and uh, maybe that could also kind of double back for you as kind of a model to where you guys want to go to. So it's just, it's got a lot of, a lot of value there. Yeah. Um, last thing is that bus stop, the bus stop, the enclosures. And is that I mean, what it sounded like to me? I mean, we had this conversation and those bus stops were supposed to either be removed or replaced or um, Comcast owned them and they were trying to dump them on us. and. I'm not sure what, I guess that's a public works question, right? And you're just saying that you just have this, this debt. Yeah, I believe that's right. Um, but if there's, huh? it was Comcast or, uh, or, or no, um, one of the media companies and they were trying to clear channel and they were trying to dump those things on us instead of taking them out. Um, yeah. Yeah. If there's, yeah, if there's a specific concern about specific bus stops, yeah. We could share that with us. I mean, even though we have our partners at the county, right? They would be helpful. Yeah. Well, there's three. They're kind of in the middle of the boulevard. I beg pardon? They're right in the middle of Castrelli Boulevard. Oh. One's uh, directly across from the um, Castro Village, and one's in front of the Ralph's Saddlery, and the other one's in front of Safeway. Those are pretty much our three main homeless shelters. 
Okay, I think. Okay, I think that's all. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Ken. Uh, Councilmember Thomas. Again. Oh. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah. Thank you for being here, and thank you for the presentation. Um, line twenty-eight. I'm confused. Um, there's forecast um, Creekside and the high school, right? Kids from the high school and the Creekside write that, right? Line twenty-eight. Yes, currently you write that too. Yeah. And the, the reason behind, I don't understand the reason behind you taking it off or uh, consider canceling it. Yeah. So our consultant made an assumption about supplementary service, and this is service that, um, like for example, in Oakland we have six hundred series lines, six five, and they go to different schools, and um, we those are our kind of designated lines, although anybody can write them, but that uh, are created in such a way to make sure that we're moving youth <clears throat> to school and back. Um, we don't have a supplemental designation uh, down in Santa Valley, which is line 20, right? It's basically the line that a lot of youth take to school. Um, it was just an oversight, I think, in our consultant's part, because he didn't make a connection to Supplementary service, and I think just assume that Castro Valley they'll take supplementary service because we're not going to touch it during all this. So, but we can still tinker around with line 28. And we said, well, hold up, line 28, even though it's not technically supplementary service, uh, there's a lot of you to take that. So we need to be really careful uh, that we don't disinfect our service. Thank you. Uh, please look into that because, uh, well, personally, I came into the country as an immigrant, I was 18. First couple of years, um, you're talking about demographics, right? Uh, low income and uh, people of color, you know. So we we use that at the, you know when we first come into the country, and uh, you know, so you know when you take that transportation, there's you can't yeah. afford anything yeah. else. So uh, kids use that. So I, I I think it's important that you know we keep that service line 28 just for the youth who are you know uh, low income and people of color. All right, and Absolutely. then. Second thing is uh, safety, and a lot of one of my a lot of my colleagues talked about it. You know, bus stops need to be clean. Um, um, then the inside the buses, you know, there's complaints about you know robberies and you know kids getting kids getting bullied. But again, um, I, if, if it's my kid, I can give you know I could drop him off when I have other means of transportation. But if there's a kid from a, a low income family or people of color, they can't afford anything else. They need to take the bus. So. Uh, I think that's key. That key here is, you know, what can we make? What can we do to make it safe? What can we do to do our bus stops cleaner? And I think that's where, when you look at safety, people back off. Hey, AC Transit is not safe. I cannot send my kid there. So uh, we have to look at, you know, again, I'm repeating. Uh, we need our buses. I love riding buses. You know, I always did. You know, um, so we we need our riders back. And you know, like. My colleague, uh, Ms. Killerbrew said, and I'll get on buses if it's appropriate and it's safe to ride. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I just want to say that it's a priority. Safety is a priority. We've heard the concerns loud and clear, um, and there's a, a really energetic conversation happening in the Bay Area, I think just the transit in general, about getting ahead of this. I guess we've heard loud and clear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Steve, for being here. And um, 
I'll join the chorus. I'm a huge AC transit fan. I uh, bust all around Oakland as a kid and, and bust from Oakland to Moreau high school in Hayward for three years. So I'm a, I'm a writer, baby. Um, do have some questions. I, I share council member Carboni's feeling that um, this is a very good time to be looking at it, new innovative ways to serve Castro Valley uh, transit wise. Um, and I don't want to poison anything or, or, you know, give you, give you an answer that uh, we want you to come back with, but um, this is a good time for, for what you're thinking. Um, good time to, to share some questions on your presentation, uh, cost neutral, balanced coverage and frequent service. Does that mean there is no cost difference between those two alternatives and staying the course? Uh, that's, that's correct. Yeah. We would basically be nibbling around, nibbling around the edges, tweaking some things here, mm -hmm. um, doing some minor realignment along existing routes mm -hmm. to kind of condense in some cases our coverage areas. Right, right. Lessen our footprint and then reallocate those resources so we can provide more frequent, more reliable service mm -hmm. that would you know, help us increase ridership. Yeah. Okay. I know additional right um and i heard i think i heard you explain to council member more that we don't know the cost of the unconstrained vision yet is that that's correct okay um what's what what's the current state of finances for ac transit going into 2024 what are we looking at in 2024 uh i believe uh we're in the black um and then uh, 25 and the out years we're looking at so the next five years funding operations funding shortfall just operations mm -hmm. of 133 million dollars and uh, you know that's a significant problem for us uh, and so we worked really hard this year to secure some operations funding for the state and there's a larger conversation uh, that we need to happen about the future of funding for public transportation in the, in the Bay Area to your knowledge is ac transit um working on any partnerships with rideshare companies or alternative transit providers yeah i do know so i don't know very detailed specifics on that um i do know that you know we have our whole information system group and they are leading on a number of different innovative technology solutions mm -hmm. that would modernize transit, make okay. it make a lot more sense for people. And that goes everything from you know the apps that we've created. Right. We've created that in-house. Uh, very creative people. Um, so you're looking at future partnerships and how we can, you know, have two different services dovetail uh, to right. best serve writers. I mean, simple dumb here, but with all the ridership info you have, the automated ridership info, you have to know times of day and routes where ridership falls below the point where it's not effective to run a 45 person bus, that it would be better served by a van or a smaller flex type thing. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think we're still have, have to deal with the 
the real cost there is going to be driven by you know, the operators. Mm -hmm. right? uh, so they're, I don't know the details on what it would be like a Tim program versus a 40 foot bus. <clears throat> um, but, you know, again, we, we certainly try to design our routes so that we capture mm -hmm. the greatest number of people. And, and there are times when, you know, you see it, and there's not a whole lot of people at that particular moment in time riding it. Uh, but we know that we know that there's a demand there, and that's why we've created the routes. Uh, and we make sure that we tie them into destinations that people need to go. It's community services, it's the jobs, it's the schools, and uh, so it kind of fluctuates throughout the day. Understand. Okay. So the the frequent service scenario, we're going from we're, we're basically paring down sixty two routes to to get into uh, like 62, I'm sorry, nine routes to get from. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, frequent service is 53 routes, existing is 62. So essentially we're giving up, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's we're giving up nine routes to increase um, to make sure that no one waits over 30 minutes system wide. Is that? Uh, what do you, what do you reference here? We've got the which frequent service scenario, frequent service scenario, total of 53 routes. Yep. Existing network oh, like total of 62 routes. So what, what I'm just clarifying is, is we're giving up nine routes for the benefit of not having anybody wait more than 30 minutes for a, for a bus. Correct. Yeah. Okay. To, to increase our frequency. Correct. And you, you've gotten feedback from writers that that's important. That Yeah. Uh, you know, going back to what we heard from writers when we did the survey, mm -hmm. it was equity. We want to make sure that the people who need it the most mm -hmm. continue to receive it. Uh, frequency. Um, and then also that, that reliability. Okay. People need to know that I need to get my doctor's Right. Late. So I need to be able to rely on. So these were really the the core principles that drove our analysis. Gotcha. And uh, again, I'll just uh, you know underscore that these are still proposals. Sure. Sure. Thank you. Um, that exhausts my questions. I, I just want to say that uh, would sure love to hear from from AC Transit on on the visions as ken was saying um you know where where are we going to be in 10 years 15 years what's what's that going to look like we're all going to be transit riders i hope <laughs> taking transit's where we need to go it's a it's a bit of a mystery uh it's a bit of a mystery in terms of just public transit sure. i really think candidly it's, it's at a bit of crossroads mm -hmm. and we know that there's a lot of pressure uh mm -hmm. from the state that has generously contributed funding transit afloat mm -hmm. sustain us through the pandemic uh, to take a deeper look at how we provide the service how we do it most efficiently how we address those issues of safety mm -hmm. um, and and how we incorporate technology into the solution so um, 10 years is a lot it's a long time going that's a not a fair question but uh, I think that we will see uh, more uh, and we're already heading in this way deeper integration, not only between the different public transit agencies, you know, to make it easier mm -hmm. to go from one system to another, 
more affordable, uh, but also I suspect that there's some major integration with that with technologies as well. Yeah. Okay, very good. Thank you so much for. Are there any other comments from council? Just a quick comment. Yeah. Um, Trans Bay uh, Services is that still any anything being streamlined there, or is it? Yeah, it's definitely being streamlined. When the pandemic hit, we went down to like ten percent of our ridership, and it candidly has not bounced back. Um, we know that there are some people who still take it. We have very limited service now, um, but you know, demand is is not on the bridge service. Demand is inner city. It's getting kids to school. It's getting people to you know, essential workers to their jobs. So we've taken our resources, focused it on where the need is. Uh, in the past couple of years, and uh, you know, part of this process will be to reassess. You know, looking at where demand is and where we think it's going to go and what what transway will look like in the future but uh, is it still on or is it you know is there riders in there it's, it's it's incredibly low it's incredibly low okay and uh, i don't think we'll see in the near future transway service return to what it was before the pandemic. all right some lines, limited lines. thank you and uh i was going to piggyback on the chair um the 45 percent of the riders that use the bus they might really need the bus. You know, that's, I just want to add that. So if you, uh, when you consider streamlining or anything, you know, just consider, you know, just make it every 45 minutes or every, you know, whatever you got to do, you know, just to support those riders who are 45%. The bus might not be full, but they do need that transportation. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here and answering our questions. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Do you have everything you needed from us? Is that? I think I do. Okay. Uh, is there any questions? I just got one quick question. Do you guys have the opportunity to get any data from Uber? Um, I mean, it seems like the that service has just grown rapid since the pandemic. People, you know, get into a car, they call two, five minutes later, the car pulls up, they get in it, takes them to where they need to go to. And it seems like to me that seems to be a, a transportation model that is growing and doing well. Um, and it, you guys are in the transportation business. So I would think that maybe a model like that that would be owned by you guys would be, I mean, if I was a, a, a corporation looking to gobble up another corporation or be a partner with them that was in a, a line business, that would be one I'd be looking at buying, yeah. you know, um, yeah. or creating one similar to it. So. I mean, just a thought. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. Take care. All right, we're on to item number eight, discussion and consideration of an economic and civic development uh, MAC subcommittee. It is an action item, and the actions are to determine whether the council wishes to uh, charter such a subcommittee, and if the answer to that is yes, then... Uh, selecting who might be on it. So um, it says chair, Bill Mulgrew chair. Um, this actually, I believe we first heard about it from council member Killebrew working with economic and civic development. I got on board with it real quick. Um, my thinking on this is, and I'll listen to where the council, I would love to hear from you. Um, you know, we've heard many, many, many presentations from ECD and there have been um, 
I, I say far less supporting data, results data, um, and we've asked for it. And, and I, I think having a subcommittee to help drive that process would be beneficial, um, not only for us, but for other taxpayers of Alameda County. Um, the other, the other point in its favor, as I see it, is we're in the middle of the specific plan, and um, ECD is in a unique position by virtue of their relationship with the Chamber of Commerce to, to bring thoughts and ideas back. Um, ECD is also, I, I think, a key player as we get into the economic development aspect of, of the specific plan. So to me, having a subcommittee that would um, meet quarterly, three times a year um, to exchange data, to, to bring information back to us from the community, from from UCD seems like a seems like a good thing. So um, open it up for comments since uh, Council Member Killebrew has, has been on this. Would you? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it would help with accountability. Um, I think it would also help uh, when they do come to present to the MAC board. I think that it will help to have the conversation um, so that they understand what we want to hear, as opposed to um, sometimes I think they present what they think we want to hear. But if we have more of a direct line of communication, we can help them pinpoint what should be presented, what the public wants to know, and also any struggles they're having. It, it can be a two-way street. If, if they're struggling with anything, if they need advocacy for funding, um, if they have projects that they're excited about, um, then I think that that's also a really important, um, I think it could be a really important platform to share information and um, and then just more frequent conversations with them since they are an important partner Absolutely. in this community. Thank you. Um, Anyone else like to comment or chip in, Chuck? Can can you a little bit more information? Like, how often does this subcommittee meet? Um, you know, how is it organized? How many people do you anticipate being on the subcommittee? Um, I mean, call it call, call it um, two member subcommittee meeting four times a year. Um, so, okay, got it. Or as long as we're not a quorum, I mean, right? Three. Three members, sure. As long as we're not a quorum, three. I mean, as long as you know we're working with them, the Brown Act. Yeah. Right. And I would believe that the that the subcommittee would help to define its own charter to a certain to a certain extent. Um, will we be meeting with these subcommittees? Depending on my hands around this, would we be meeting directly with ECD? Yes, with, their... with Jamie and Eileen. Okay. And and right. Yeah. We, yeah. Okay. Um, and they are on board with this uh -huh. proposal. Okay. And Bill, you would chair the subcommittee? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. But you would be on the subcommittee? Not necessarily. Well, how is it going to be picked? Who's going to pick it? We're volunteer. It's a volunteer. I I would like for I would like to volunteer since I've. Right. In spearheading this. I'll volunteer. Okay. Okay, Ken volunteers, you volunteer, so it leaves you the third one, Bill. Because well, you can only have three. But he doesn't have to be on it. 
doesn't have we're to bring, be three. We're bringing the information back. No, I'm just, if I you know. wanted to be on, I was just. Thank you. Be yeah, I'll be on it if uh, nobody else wants to do it. I'll, 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 I'll find it. We can also okay. vote. Hmm? Or we can also vote for. Right. Right. Um, all right. So let's. Let's work first things first, and I would accept the motion to form an economic and civic development max subcommittee. I will make a motion. It's not me, I'm not touching it. I would like to make a motion to form an economic development uh, subcommittee. I'll second that motion. Councilmember Killebrew moves, seconded by Councilmember Thomas. We have the roll call, please. Councilmember Mulgrew? Aye. Councilmember Carboni? Yes. Councilmember Killebrew? Yes. Councilmember Moore? Yes. Councilmember Thomas? Yes. Okay, approved to form a MAC subcommittee for ECD. Okay, and I will put forth the nomination of Councilmember Killebrew, Councilmember Carboni, and Councilmember Thomas um, to be subcommittee members second. I second. Will second okay i heard council member carboni first so for the subcommittee members um council member Mo uh, council member Killebrew, carboni and thomas for the subcommittee okay for approval uh council member mulgrew aye council member carboni Yes. Okay. Council member Killebrew? Yes. Council member Moore? Yes. Council member Thomas? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Subcommittee approved. Sorry. Thank you all. I'm I'm kind of excited kind of excited by this and uh Hopefully, say within a month, could the subcommittee come back with a meeting schedule and and basic outline of? Okay, cool. All right. Um, Can you do that, Shannon? Yeah. All right. Any other <clears throat> last thoughts on this item? All right. Uh, Chair's report. I just want to wish my fellow council members a happy and uh, grateful Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm super. I'm super thankful that uh, I get to work with such uh, august members of the community and people who who bring so much to this. And I also am thankful for the community of Castro Valley, the people that that care um, and show it. Do we have any comments from council? I I have one. Um... Probably our latest uh, business opening will be Wednesday. Bill's Coffee will be opening, and so it's one more new addition. Soft opening? Uh, it's soft opening, but but I mean, because we've seen I've seen people inside. Are, well, no, they're working. Ah. They're it's not open. Okay. Yeah. No, it'll be Wednesday. So it's on its way. Mm -hmm. Finally, finished the corner. Thank God. So. Very exciting. Yay! Yeah. All good stuff. I just want to add also on, on my gratitude list is uh, our hardworking staff, but both the general purpose and the land use meetings, we get uh, we get the best. Okay. Other thoughts? Do we have any comments from staff? 
We well, are adjourned and we do. I'm sorry. Tona. Oh, Tona. Anything I just said thank you. <laughs> okay. I thank have you, thank Tona. You. Uh, we do have a meeting next week. It's going to be a very busy agenda um, centered around a specific uh, the next specific plan update. Look forward to seeing everybody next week. Next week, next Monday. Meeting adjourned. Thank you. 724.